Welcome back, friends and 89ers. Laurel Weinstein is our guest today. Denver has been home for Laurel since she left Albuquerque to attend University of Denver. Despite thinking in high school that she would win the prize for least likely to succeed, in college, Laurel discovered she was freakishly good at statistics and ended up pursuing a career in healthcare management after finishing her MBA. Laurel has been with the same company for 23 years, and she talks about how she's kept her work feeling fresh and what it was like to work in healthcare during COVID. Laurel's been married to her husband, Aaron, for more than 25 years, and they have two lovely daughters. This conversation is sprinkled with laughter and self-deprecating humor, as you'd expect if you knew Laurel way back when. Enjoy. What's been going on this week? What have you been Um, doing? I have been trying to atone for my summer excesses by eating better, exercising more, getting good sleep. Even though Mm -hmm. I'm obviously not going back to school myself in September, I still have that feeling of it's a new start after Labor Day. So I'm taking advantage of it. Mm -hmm. We'll see how long it lasts. Yeah, there are some always good. There are always some good reset points along the mm-hmm. the year, and I find September to be that way too. Um, I, I feel like everyone kind of goes back, and you actually get back into a routine. And you know, it's fun to be spontaneous. It's fun to have adventures. But I think human beings are probably wired mm-hmm. for routine, and so. I do really well when I start to get into some sort of routine, which doesn't happen until everyone gets out of the house <laughs> and I can reclaim it for my kids to be my kingdom. <laughs> so I love creating a routine. I have a whole like time map thing in my Google calendar, but I have decided after listening to a book about ADHD for children, <laughs> and I do have mm-hmm. some ADHD <laughs> things, which is, I love novelty. So I love the idea of a routine and I love the sense of orderliness, but I have to find ways to kind of keep it feeling fresh because I get bored relatively quickly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel the same way. I actually have been finding, I need to mix up my exercise routine a little bit. I mean, I've been a lifelong runner and I do love to run, but I can't run the same loop every day. I have to switch it up. I've been going to exercise classes in the morning just to mix it up a little bit, ride the Peloton, anything. Um, Yeah, no, I I, I like routine, but I don't like always the same. I I do seek novel, shiny new things too. Well, today we have Laurel Weinstein coming on. Oh my! And I, I am thinking about this idea of routine with her because I thought, has she been at the same job forever? And I looked her up on LinkedIn before we got on today, and I thought, well, this is true. She has been at the same company for almost twenty-five years, which in these days, this day and age, is not common. Um, so she mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have the same desire for novelty at least in her professional degree, in her professional life that I do. But um, I'm really excited to see her again. Well, when was the last time you saw last Laurel? Time I saw, at our reunion? Yes, was at our last reunion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get to Denver on occasion for work. So I've seen her a few times in Denver and it's always great. So I think I connected with her and Leah and Bruce maybe two years ago. So that was the last time I saw her. I think of Laurel as, um, well, in high school, she was one of four members of what was known as right. the brain. I think oh, you I remember that. You. And I believe it was Sarah Perez and Leah and Amy and Laurel. Not and the Leah. four of them made Leanna. up one brain. Leanna. Yeah. Did I say Leah? I meant yeah. Leanna. 
and they made up the brain. Um, but I think what I remember most about Laurel was that she was just such, and is still, I'm sure, such a loyal friend. You know, she was just always available and there and present. And um, she was just so kind. Her house was always open to everyone. She had this great house and you would walk in and there was always filled with candy and, um, you know, and she was always so welcoming and she just was loyal, a loyal friend. That's how I would have described yeah, her. I, I think that fits her really well. I was thinking about how easy she was and I'm sure it still is easy to talk to. Um, Mm-hmm. I do remember hanging out at her house a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it was that there was an area of the house that we could be in that was pretty much parents would not come to. So it was a good place to really mm-hmm. chill. Um, but part of it, I think, was just mm-hmm. her family was very welcoming and she was so welcoming. And and we played mm-hmm. volleyball together, too. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, traveled with her to games and... We had a lot of fun together. She's one of those people that never took herself too seriously. I know this sounds strange, but given the geography of our class and that a lot of people lived in the Northeast Heights or down in the Valley, Laurel might've been one of the closest geographically Mm -hmm. to me. Um, And I just liked her neighborhood. Mm -hmm. It was really close to the university. Mm -hmm. It was really easy for me to get up there. Um, so I too spent a lot of time with her, especially I would say like junior and senior mm-hmm. year. Me too. Me too. Yeah. 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 Um, but I'm excited to learn a little bit about her, you know, raising of these two great daughters. She's been married to Aaron for a really long time. And, you know, I know she's d- dabbled in, in all sorts of other things. I know she's been part of big running groups and mm-hmm. things like that and, It'll be interesting to hear whether Laurel has had challenges. I'm sure she has because everybody has. But Mm -hmm. my experience with her is that she doesn't like to wallow in them. And she's, she's, um, I don't know. She maybe diminishes them a little bit around other people because she doesn't want them to worry about her. Like maybe everything's sunny. But maybe it isn't. I don't know. Well, she's a sun- she's a sunny person, and I find that sunny people often make the best of all sorts of true. things. You know, this is true. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, I mean, because she's lived in Denver. I mean, she she went to college in Denver. She stayed oh, in right. Denver. She's oh, here she comes. <laughs> Hi, Laurel. Hey guys. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We're just reminiscing about hanging out at your house all the time in high school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I know. You had the best house. Thank Carla you. Carla even remembered that you. there was candy. It was fun. Oh, yeah. Somebody else said that, you know, I just saw, um, I was just at Joel's, um, my brother's daughter's bat mitzvah, and one of his good friends was talking about our candy area. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, by the bar, there was always candy. <laughs> totally. So. I mean, it wasn't the draw of your house, but it was a draw <laughs> of your house. Yeah. I mean, your house was so fun because you had a pool, and I, you had a tennis court at your house, didn't you? We did. We did. <laughs> it's gone now, but yes, we did. Yeah, I remember the pool. I remember that area upstairs where we would hang out all the time. So much fun. We could sneak out a little easy out of my house. Yeah. (laughs) I put alarm things on my kids' windows so they can't sneak out the windows like we used to. Laurel, that's no fun. What kind of parent are you? Well, it would be harder off the roof, too. Like, they would have had to jump off the roof. We just were jumping from the window to the stairs. (laughs) They would be jumping down from the stairs. Not as safe. (laughs) 
You know, I would say that sneaking out was one of the few things that I occasionally did, which was bad. But even when I would sneak out, it's not like we would do anything bad when we snuck out. No. We'd like go sit in someone's hot tub and hang out. It wasn't. <laughs> I don't have your memory, Carla. Um, it's fading quickly. Trust me. Okay. Let's go. Okay. Carla, why don't you kick us off this okay. time? All right. So, Laurel, it's so great to have you and so nice to see you. We always start with the same question at the beginning of all of these interviews or conversations, and that is, Laurel, what have you been doing for the past 35 years? Not much, I feel like. Um, I was listening to your beginning before Bruce's on how like people were saying they didn't want to come on because they didn't have much to say. So I'll be your first person. So I am like the most boring out of all of us in the sense of I left Academy, I went to University of Denver, and I'm still in Denver. And I'm like three exits away from GU. So I have not moved far. Um, I did leave Albuquerque, but, um, <laughs> and I do not think I'm going back, even though some of you seem to have such fond memories when you go there. <laughs> I went to University of Denver and um, I ended up getting a statistics degree in business yeah. and stayed there for my master's. And then I really started working in healthcare as kind of a consultant. Um, I did a lot of compensation surveys um, for an organization. And then I moved over to Kaiser Permanente and I've been there like 23 years, Amazing. just working in all different places. And so now I'm helping run some of the specialty departments. So that's what I do in a nutshell. And I got married and I had two kids and, you know, they're all good. <laughs> so that's about it. Okay. Well, we'll see you later. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. I remember, um, I'm, I'm not at all surprised that you ended up doing something with, well, with math and with numbers, because I remember that as being something that you enjoyed a lot more than I did. Um, <laughs> Well, I did not have the liberal arts background. So like looking back at the academy, like probably a lot of the teachers would say like, most likely not to succeed. I mean, I can remember Julian Bull when I like had a thing to go look at colleges and he's like, you know, I think I was basically failing senior humanities. And he was like, are you sure you want to leave? And I was like, well, I'm hoping I'm leaving here next year. I'm not going to stay here. That he was like, I don't know if we can let you go. I was like, but my mom bought plane tickets and we're going. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you talk, used to talk about that even in high school. And I mean, I think you probably did struggle in the, in the humanities with a, a diagnosed learning difference. So yeah, I did get a learning disability when I was in 11th grade. You got, so yeah. And, um, my joke is a Jewish daughter, doctor's daughter from New York City who says I'm not smart enough to go to college. You pretty quickly get into therapy. <laughs> so just saying. So like something is getting up And here. we've talked. Yeah. yeah. And we've talked about this a little bit on this podcast with other guests, definitely with Brad and a little bit with Chris Travis too, about you know, the commonality now of getting some sort of diagnosis around learning differences or, um, or other, or mental health or ADHD. Like what Brad said, like all of us that were pulled out to yeah. go into the special yeah. small classes because we were probably smart, but like also, yeah. you know, thought a little differently and all were yep. problems together. So we just didn't talk about it as much or those, those diagnoses weren't made as regularly as they are now. However, you know, at the same time, we've, we've debated whether or not it's, it's a good thing or a bad thing to impose all these labels on kids today. And, and how helpful is it? It is helpful if you can somehow figure out some strategies um, around learning Maybe it's not as helpful if it just feels like it's this diagnosis or sort of sentence that's been put on you or a burden in some way. So there's sort of this fine line. But yeah, I remember you grappling with that even back in high school. So math, yeah. math but you were always a math whiz and I was a math mm -hmm. idiot. <laughs> 
but man, senior humanities, Shakespeare, that was very painful, very painful. Um, But, you know, it's interesting what you said, Carla, because I do remember being diagnosed and like um, them being like, well, you just wanted an excuse type thing. And then I remember in college, um, you needed to take a foreign language. And because of the program I was in with my learning disability, um, there was a test you could take that would like say if you would be able to do it. And I remember talking to someone in my sorority and she's like, oh yeah, I totally failed it. And I was like, yeah, so I didn't try to fail it. And I failed really badly, you know? And so then I was able to take something else instead of a language. And I think my brain just doesn't think that way. So taking Spanish all those years at the academy was like painful. Yeah. 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 I think that was the first thing I dropped. Yeah, that I could. <laughs> well, we find the things in life that we can do that where we can really thrive. And yeah. clearly you've done that. If you've been at the same place for 23 years, yeah. you clearly have made a, a great space for yourself. Yeah. And and you not only finished college, you also got an MBA. <laughs> so, yes, I did. So there. I, 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 statistics. <laughs> well, I, I, I feel it. like I feel like <laughs> I feel for all you teachers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Being a statistics TA, that did it in. I never needed to be a teacher after that. Yeah. Because, A, no one likes that class. And you're the biggest geek. Yeah. And I was very young. Well, one of the things we were reflecting on about you, Laurel, is just what a sort of a sunshiny person you have always been. And, in fact, you know, we, we wondered aloud where you've had sort of those moments of challenge and reflection because you seem to be the kind of person to us that when you meet challenge, you seem to bring some sunshine to it and and move through it. But is that our perception of you? Tell us a little bit about what happens when you've faced those challenges and what you've done to, or have you faced challenges? All of us have faced some challenges, but how you sort of have um, turned those into the made the the lemonade out of the lemons which you seem to do quite naturally I think I'm a really good extrovert (laughs) so I think when I'm out with people I'm able to be very positive um I would say probably my family sees it more when I'm like Mm. oh my gosh I can't just do anything I just want to go to bed Um, like I'm good in like stressful situations um and I know not everyone is so um so I think, and I'm always just laughing. So I think that is my personality. And I think as I faced other things, um, I might not always be so bubbly, but I'll be so straightforward. So um, when Sophia, my youngest was born, she was born um, about six weeks early. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. Mm-hmm. She was six weeks early. And then when she was like seven or eight months, she got RSV really bad, mm-hmm. like ICU, intubated, you know, my dad getting ready to cancel his cases. Like it was a really stressful time. And I just realized I may not have been bubbly, but like, I'm so good at like, okay, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. That that's just kind of how I go through it. So. Well, I think we're all wired a little bit differently, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I think one of the things when I get overwhelmed and like after listening to this and listening to Carla that you keep in touch with like everybody, like I feel bad. Like I feel like I keep in touch with you guys because I see you on Facebook and I feel like I can call or email you or like when I see you guys in the reunion, I feel like it's old times, Mm -hmm. but like I don't really keep in good contact with people. And I think that's one of the things is like I use so much energy during the day that sometimes I'm just really bad at that. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, we should all be going on girls weekends, maybe not to Mexico, but maybe some other places. You don't want to go back to Mazatlan with us, Laurel? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I know. <laughs> However, I just, we should take a vote of how many of us let our kids go to Mexico because so many of my friends are like, oh yeah, they're going to Mexico. I'm like, no, they cannot go to Mexico. And they're like, why? I was like, trust I, me. Because I did can't. that. Because <laughs> I did can't. that. And in fact, one of my friends, her senior in high school is going to go for spring break and she's like Laurel I'm sure it's changed a lot since then I was like "Uh uh-huh yeah I'm sure it's changed but what the kids are going to do is going to be the same (laughs) and it will all be recorded (laughs) yes luckily (laughs) yeah yeah luckily we don't we all have to just remember it yes 
And we barely, I barely yeah. remember it. Like we had to look it up where we stayed and we walked out. Oh, I would road. have no idea. I feel like we needed like $20 cash to get back into the U.S. I feel like that was the stress. Everyone needed like some amount of cash to get back into the U.S. Oh my gosh. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, so. it's interesting, you know, we are about the same age as our parents were when we graduated from high school. And no, we're not. <laughs> That's and of course, are, you've got, yes. and you've got, you've had two kids graduate from high school, one from college. So you're an empty nester. I am. What is surprising to you right now at this moment in time in your life? Yeah. Um, I definitely didn't think about this in high school. I don't even know what I thought I would be doing in high school, but um, at this age. But I do think um, as my last, so um, Rose, my oldest, graduated from college this year, and my youngest will be a sophomore in college. And so I think last year was definitely a aha moment. Like it was hard to go from being the mom, like when you put like, oh, I'm a, you know, it, it was easy to cut out the high school stuff, but like, oh, I'm a Q's mom. Oh, you know, I follow the ducks, all, you know, all the college stuff. And then realize she's now an adult and I don't need to be that part of it. And um, who am I when I'm not being a mom? And so I think, you know, looking back and just thinking through, even just within like 10 years behind us, I think women had so many more choices. Like, I don't think we had... I mean, we felt like we had lots of choices, but I don't think we knew of all the different things that you could do. And, you know, if you look at it, most of us became teachers or people in business, not really engineers or, you know, not a lot of doctors, not a lot of lawyers. And, you know, there's a few, but I think if you go 10 years younger than us, there's probably a lot more people in different professional mm -hmm. things. Um, and so I think, although like... I have a good job and I'm really good at it. And, you know, I've made a name for myself at Kaiser. I was always a mom, you know? And so I think now is kind of the thought process of if I'm not a mom, what am I? And so then I had like these grandiose ideas that I'm like, sweet, I'm going to retire and I'm going to hang out. And that's probably not a reality. But so I think it's almost like it's a second life. And I think I'm on the verge of trying to figure out what that is. Do you stay with what you're doing? Do you find something new and fun to do? You know, what, what are know. the things that I think that's even while you've been working and been a mom, what are the things that are fun for you to do? Your get to do things. Um, I love hanging out with friends, so that's kind of hard to, like, just do. Um, you know, I did a lot of volunteer work as the kids, were, you know, as Amy and I joked, like, I kind of was an academy mom. Like, we always talk about how our moms weren't mm -hmm. the academy moms who always, like, <laughs> hung out and helped. Not that I was that way, but I tried to be present mm -hmm. in a different way. Um, and so I made a lot of good friends that way. Um I'm really happy just hanging out with Aaron. We still ski. Um, I'm totally boring. We, I knit. And so I'll sit and watch TV and knit. And um, I think that's part of it is I need to figure out what I like doing besides taking care of people, yeah. you know. I think so. that's super relatable. A lot of us that have been super busy yeah. with family stuff and are lucky enough that we're not super busy taking care of our parents at this moment mm -hmm. <laughs> yet. Yet. Well, for some this people, moment, that's yes. already yeah. passed. But, you know, when you're really at yeah. this stage of being able to say, wow, I have time when I could do stuff, there's almost so much choice that it's hard <laughs> to figure out where to start. Right. Um, you know, I'm dreaming that I'm going to be um, like a – I'm going to go learn salsa dancing or swing dancing. I mean, I'm not coordinated, but I feel like it would just be fun. <laughs> and I'm also at the point where I don't care if I look stupid. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think joined the tennis team and we have not won once. So I'm with you on looking <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do, Jessica. Get back to our tennis days from the right. tennis club. Yeah, exactly. I played I a actually, tennis league. 
I actually played pickleball the other night and it was really fun. I had a really good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is, it is fun. fun. I'm afraid I'm going to tear something, but it is fun. I'm so interested, though, Laurel, you, you talk a little bit about saying you're boring. And I think that's such a funny or that, you, you know, oh, I'm so boring. I just will knit and watch television or whatever. But I think that's that's such an interesting way to think about it rather than I'm just really like enjoying doing the things that I enjoy mm-hmm. doing. And we've talked a lot with folks who say, well, my hobby really is relationship building. My ho- That is what I enjoy doing. That is part of that is that is my hobby <laughs> is seeing friends and getting together with people and you know there's a, there's a book um, that came out a few years ago that in some ways I think for me inspired this podcast which is about um, a Harvard study around longevity and the people who've lived the longest and had the most satisfying and fulfilling lives of course that's self-reporting. And almost all of those people have really talked about the fact that they have they are they have satisfying lives because they have deep connections with people. <laughs> it hasn't been about all the money they've made or the adventures they've had out in the world. It's really been about deeper connections with friends. Mm-hmm. So there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and as I look at that now, you know, like for the last four or five years, I mean, besides COVID, I think changed all of our travel, you know, my kids went to school not in Colorado. And so all of our time has been going to see kids. Um, and so it will be, it will be, like, I all of a sudden like, oh, I could go to other places and see mm-hmm. other people now, you know, mm-hmm. which would be fun. So you can come to California anytime. I will. So you mentioned that there's been some changes with your family situation. Um, so I'm trying to remember, are both of your brothers still in New Mexico? So Eric is there with his kids. And so speaking of Academy, like Eric, besides me probably being the most unlikely like to succeed, Eric was probably um, the, <laughs> the most unexcited about academy ever um like he went to go wrestle he wanted mr o'connor to be his um advisor and meanwhile like i don't even think i passed mr o'connor's class and had to take summer school like so like he was just and meanwhile he now lives in albuquerque was on the academy board and both of his kids went to the academy and so like every time i see him as like mr academy i was like do they know that you went there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah Don't they know that you went there um anyways so eric and his family live there and they're now empty nesters too and then my brother joel is in san diego and he has two kids and then both my parents are still in albuquerque and they did get divorced and they're both remarried and so my dad actually still has the house and um my mom lives somewhere else so, so when you get back there there's a lot of shuttling between the various family members yes gotcha gotcha yes yeah yeah well um your brother was a fan favorite your fan favorite of mine i know (laughs) you what does that mean i think i might have been a fan favorite of your brother's actually (laughs) yeah i think it was but i think he liked to think it was reciprocated (laughs) Well, and then I think like Joel used to help out on our volleyball team. Do you remember that, Jessica? Yeah, that's right. He used to like come and help because was it Joni, who's our coach? She had to look all this stuff up. She taught at his school, at his elementary school. She is such a cool person. We had yeah good luck in having her as our coach. Yeah, we did. I have to dig a little bit more into the having been at the same company for 23 years because I mean, that's so rare now. So I know. Can you tell us more about what your thought process has been about that? And, you know, what have been the, um, the pluses and the minuses of, of staying in the same place for so long? It's something that I feel like in the 60s, that's what everybody did, right? Like your grandfather worked at the same place for 30 years or whatever and got a watch and retired. 
but it's not very common now. Um, so yeah, tell us a little more about um, what it's been like for you to really grow up in that company. Um, so I started at Kaiser and I was like a consultant type person, you know, doing some analytic work. And I do have to say, like, probably every four or five years, my job has changed. And that's cool. Um, so I think that helps with it quite a bit. Um, so I did kind of that consulting for a long time with different groups and that kind of stuff. And then I was in management for a while. Um, I went to HR and I was over the payroll team and that was really cool. And I really enjoyed that. And now I'm back in kind of more of a consulting um, business manager practice performance thing. So I really haven't been in the same job working with the same people the whole time. I've kind of moved around and learned different stuff. Um, and the other reality looking back at it is I was able to work three days a week once my mm. kids were born. So I was working three days a week getting full benefits when my kids were little. And I think that it was the key thing. And so I think at many times when I would have been frustrated and probably changed jobs, you know, I had the good benefits for our family, but at the same time I was only working three days a week. Mm -hmm. So um, when I think about that now and I'm like, oh, remember when I just worked three days a week? That was so nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I think that's, I mean, I, I think for the first like 15 years, that probably was the big thing was that was keeping me there was that I had been part-time for so long that I had good benefits and that kind of stuff. And in reality now, I think I'm very close to like, you know, my rule of whatever that I would get some, um, better retirement benefits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where all of a sudden I'm like, now I could really do something different because, you know, if I hit that, you know, it really opens up different things because it would be stupid to not work another year to get that benefit mm -hmm. type thing. So, so I think really the part time, when I look back at it, there were a lot of times when I was ready to try something different and mm -hmm. I just didn't because, yeah. and, and so you know, I think that's something that probably really um, is what got me to where I am is that I really think I made those types of decisions for our family. Like I didn't really go for some of the bigger jobs or the, you know, changing places or that kind of stuff because it worked out well. Mm -hmm. You know, I had this flexibility. I had vacation time. I had all that stuff you know, and so I guess I prioritize that to some mm -hmm. degree. I mean, the flexibility know? is so yeah, important, so. whether you're, yeah. if, you know, if you're taking care of anybody else. Um, I mean, my daughter's home today from school because she's sick. So it's a reality. Um, and yeah. it's cool that you've gotten to switch roles so many times. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I really liked when I was doing some of the HR and like the benefits and compensation stuff. And so part of me wonders if, you know, maybe that would be something I would go to, go work in compensation for a big company or do, you know, all these weird analytic jobs that no one wants. Okay. I don't, <laughs> I don't want either. That. So explain <laughs> to me why you like that. <laughs> I don't know. I think I was dropped on my head when I was a kid. I have no idea. And so here, I'll tell the story of how I became a statistics major. So um, I went to school and I was pre-med and I did not do very well. And my dad drove me by UNM and said, if you're going to get those types of grades, this is where you're going to go. So I switched, switched my major and I became a business major. And then um, you have to take intro to statistics. And so I was in the intro to statistics class. A few of my girlfriends were also in it. They all had like tutors they were working with. And I was like, just blowing it off. And I was like, whatever. And like, we got the exam and they all got like C's working with a tutor. And then I got a hundred percent on it. And I was like, so I think my brain thinks this way. I'll just keep doing That's this. That's so cool. So I just did it. And so it was like, it was part of the business school, which was nice. Um, but it was me and like these eight guys. and We had all our classes together. And statistics is always open note, open book, you know, that kind of stuff. It was perfect for me. I never had to write. Mm -hmm. That was the other key. I never mm -hmm. had to write a paper in statistics. So it worked out well. That's so cool. So 
I'm really curious if you might talk for just a minute about what it was like to work for a healthcare company during COVID. And we all experienced COVID in such mm-hmm. like kind of crazy ways. Um, but I'm curious when you're in the healthcare industry, I wonder if it was different, what you were experiencing. I'm assuming you had to work from home just like everyone else did and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what was that experience like? Um, it was crazy. I will say, um, yes, I went from going into the office to not going in at all. And I remember just not really getting it. So like, and I remember it was March 13th Mm -hmm. and the day before we'd gotten an email and it said, you know, if you're not clinical, we don't want you coming in anymore. And I had a 7.30 meeting the next day with one of my departments and I showed up and my chief was like, why are you here? And I was like, well, why not? She's like, well, that that email. And I'm like, is that really real? What's going on? And at the same time, Rose was a freshman and they had just decided to start spring break a week early. So she was coming home that night. And so I was like, I guess this is real. And um, we went to Ikea and bought a desk so I could have a desk in the living room. I have not left the living room. Um, I'm still there. But um, Mm. and I think Rose must have come home the next day or something. And I remember is what ended up happening is we, I was on the phone like nonstop seven in the morning till seven at night. And so part of what I do is I help support the departments and we were going through physician by physician, trying to figure out which patients need to be seen, which didn't, what surgeries were really um, necessary to happen versus what could be delayed and just trying to really shut it all down, which was really hard. And it was even harder than to open it back up and to figure it out. So it was a lot of logistics on, okay, this doctor is going to be on call and they're going to be the one to go in for all the urgent stuff and just a lot of that type of stuff. And I feel like it never ended. So I feel like at times I'm still in that craziness. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, it was just a lot. And so I used to always joke with my friends when they were like, my pantry is so clean. I was like, my pantry is only clean because I keep going in there and like cleaning it out. Like I'm trying to get food and, you know, stress eating and that kind of stuff. So like all my friends like, oh, I've reorganized my whole house. I'm like, yeah, I haven't done anything. Yeah. I just sit on the phone. I mean, so. it must have just felt like drinking from a fire hydrant for for all healthcare, but and and in every part of it. I mean, I know you're not in yeah. the seeing of the patients part of Kaiser, but you were clearly supporting those people who were. It must have just felt so stressful. Yeah, and it it was just interesting to figure out like what you know, like it. It's very interesting from our point of view, like what we consider like needed versus what a healthcare provider mm-hmm. thinks is needed. And so, you know, um, you know, when we all think of elective surgery, we're thinking of cosmetic surgery, you know, but really that's what most, thi- most things are. We're elective and what could you wait? What could you not wait? And then I think the bigger issue was like a year and a half later, this huge bump of everyone wanting to get right. care. And right. so I joke that I worked at Kaiser for almost 20 years and never had to work with ophthalmology. I'm now working with ophthalmology. <laughs> As you know, my dad is an eye doctor. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. all laugh because I like kind of keep that on the load now. And they'll be like, oh, do you know a Weinstein in Albuquerque? I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that's one way I should always use Laurel Kelly, but I really am still Laurel Weinstein. So, um, but you know, working with ophthalmology, we've just had this huge bump of, you know, people were at home and couldn't see. And so they don't care about the risks of COVID. They wanted to come in and get their surgeries and that kind of stuff. So really figuring that stuff out. At the beginning, I'm guessing, I mean, did you have a time frame in your mind? Like, okay, we're going to have to reshuffle this and in a couple months, we'll be back to normal. I mean, on my end, I was delusional and I was like, oh, you know, this is going to be like two weeks in our houses and then it'll be a little bumpy for maybe two months. No, more than six months, surely. (laughs) Did you have more foresight than that or were you operating blindly as well? 
we were operating blindly as well and we would like do a week at a time and I think that's why it was so crazy is like you'd figure out the next week and then all Mm. of a sudden it would be Tuesday and it'd be like we're not doing any surgeries um you know the state did give out mandates of like you can't do elective surgery so at least we had Mm -hmm. that portion of it um but it was just a lot of going through patients and deciding what order people needed to come back in for and all of that stuff but I had no I got so used to us being out that it was interesting because the providers were really on the forefront knowing that a vaccine was coming. And for one of my departments that we were always trying to figure out like backup call schedules and stuff. And because we needed backup in case somebody got sick, who was going to do this? We had all these crazy things going. And I remember them like, oh, well, we don't need to do that starting January because we'll all have been vaccinated. And I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, I'm like, I don't really think so. And then I remember come December, all the providers were getting vaccinated. So like they were, but it was just so funny because I was like, that's not going to happen. We're going to be doing this forever. But the Mm -hmm. vaccine came out and really changed stuff. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, schools were and still are really feeling the impact. I mean, I don't know when we're going to dig ourselves out of the learning loss or the, even, even now when you see even a little bump in COVID cases coming, um, it's, it, it throws a whole school off. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm so curious to see how long it takes for us to get over that. And I think just psychologically what COVID has done, to create societal anxiety as a whole has <laughs> yeah. been really interesting. And you said you're working still from home, right? Yeah, I am. Are you and ever going to go I back? Go, I go in for certain meetings, but mm-hmm. I don't think I'll be going back, going back. But like, I look at it now and I'm like, how did I get ready, get two kids ready, get out the door, have somewhat food, da, 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 da. You know, some days I'm lucky to make it downstairs to be able to be on camera, you know? So I don't know how we did that, but I feel like that has really helped me mentally when I can separate out that I'm not spending two hours doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the morning and the However, you mentioned that you're an extrovert and I'm curious whether you're missing just the buzz of being in an office with other people or the opportunity to have short informal conversations. I mean, I, I, I'm an extrovert. I know that's going to surprise you. And um, <laughs> I, if I'm by myself for a full day, by the evening, it's like I just want to lie down on the floor. It, I'm, I'm miserable. It's not recharging for me at all. And trying to work independently is so hard. Even if I'm not working, collaborating with someone, just being in a room with other people gives me energy. <laughs> but but your extroversion so, may be different than mine. <laughs> so I would say I um, everyone will tell you I'm really loud in my house. So I'm on the phone all the time. Oh. Um, I'm... And so I think the opposite has happened is that I'm on the phone so much more now instead of seeing people in person that then at the end of the day, I don't end up calling anyone. So I think like I was using my commute times Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff to talk Mm -hmm. to people. And now I don't do that. And so I don't talk to people as much. So I think that's the bad part for Mm -hmm. me is staying connected. But unfortunately, I'm on the phone all the time. People are calling me we're doing face-to-face meetings because, um, you know, for the groups that I work with, they're spread out geographically. And so the amount of waste to have everyone come together and now everyone knows how to get on a team video and we just do it that way. So do you think you're, uh, Rose is about to go out into the work world. I don't know if she's there yet. Um, Yeah. But I mean, it's, I worry about, that generation not having the opportunity to be in offices and and building relationships. What does she see think about that? So it's been a very hard job year. I don't know if other kids, but I think um, definitely with some of her friends, they've all really struggled to get jobs. In fact, one of her really good friends who had a job with one of the big consulting firms, they just canceled when she started. And they said, instead of starting in September, we want you to start in April. So Rose has a new plans for anyone who's going to be at Steamboat. She's going to go and teach ski lessons at Steamboat mm-hmm. for a year. Cool. Um, and then 
continue to look for it. But I, I do think it will change a lot. I think it also really hurt this group because they weren't really able to have normal um, job, mm-hmm. summer jobs, mm-hmm. you know, during and internships and that kind of stuff that it was really hard. Cause like she had an internship for a company, but it was far away and it was like three hours and it just, you know, it got put to the back burner and wasn't probably the most helpful thing mm-hmm, ever. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think it will be very interesting. And I think about people starting companies now that are totally remote, how mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's so interesting. What a different world yeah. we live in than even five years ago. I don't think we could have totally. predicted it, right? Yeah. No way. No. No way. Yeah. No. What are you looking forward to in the future? Um, I'm excited to do some traveling mm-hmm. and um, I'm a little excited to have my house back after <laughs> everyone goes back to school. <laughs> I definitely have to say, for those of you that aren't empty nesters, like the dinner hour is so much easier because you don't have someone who says, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't want that. I don't want this. And I want that. I We cook anything and either Aaron or I eat it. Like you don't have that mm-hmm. or you make this whole thing and someone takes one bite and says they're going to have cereal. And you're like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So In grapes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to kind of really spend some time figuring out what I want to do next and um, see what that could be. I mean, I don't really know what it is, but I feel like there's something else I can do. So Mm -hmm. I say that I might be at Kaiser for another 10 years, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah. But still. Yeah. Yeah. We've got, we've got a, a, you know, if we all get 4,000 weeks in in our lives, I think we're at like something like 2,600 right now. So we still have some some weeks if we're lucky to go. (laughs) I had, um, I had a breakfast this weekend with Ken and David, um, Ken Pasternak and David Eagleman. Um, Just, we had, we met up for a, a little lunch and we were talking a little bit about where we were in our 4,000 weeks. So (laughs) thinking about what's next for all of us. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you want to take a little trip back to high school with us? Sure. We we like to start this part of the interview with a question. I I liked when you said conversation, Carla, earlier. I like when Mm -hmm. we start this part of the conversation with your reflections on what you thought about yourself at that point. How did you see yourself when we were in high school? I feel like I was just trying to survive. Um, I do think I was just trying to pass and get through. Um, I loved being with all of you and I loved everything that we were doing, but I think academically it was very stressful for me Mm -hmm. at the academy. So much so, this is my favorite academy, (laughs) other academy story. Remember how they'd like spend all that time writing your um, letter that they would send to colleges? So, and it was that big deal that you had to go listen to Mr. Bobinette would read it to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they, I don't know if you guys remember this, they read me mine, he read me mine and it said like, Although Laurel has not succeeded academically, she has de- she has definitely socially like done well at the academy. And I was like, I don't think that's a really good letter to be sending out for me to get into college. Yeah. Like, and I remember being hysterical about it. And my parents were like, it can't be that bad. And they went and listened to it. And they were like, yeah, so you can't send that out for my daughter. And they had to like rewrite it. But like, I just remember like looking back, like that's how they truly wow. saw me was like, you know, mm-hmm. anyways. So, um, so I think I was just trying to survive. And I think it took me a long time to realize that everyone's good at certain things and you just have to find your niche. And once you do just stay in it. And so I think um, that wasn't something I think any of us realized then, you know, that there was this whole other world of other Mm -hmm. stuff to do. Totally. So, yeah. And of course we were talking about you and remembering you and your, I mean, this, you mentioned this 
you had such good friends and you were part of this group, the brain. Um, and, uh, I just say it, it makes me mad to hear about that letter. <laughs> it definitely helped me with my parents because everything was like, oh, she's just crazy. And I remember they went to go see it and they're like, maybe she's not hysterical. Yeah, for real. I, I guess I think I like to think that we're education has evolved more to appreciate differences in the way people process and learn and contribute. But gosh, that's just ludicrous to me. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about their process, it was probably all of our English humanities teachers that were very involved with those letters. Yeah. And so they would get like information mm -hmm. from your teachers, but as a math person, none of them were signing up to, right. you know, they weren't right. elaborating on that all stuff. of your um, pranks and, and no. stories about you. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I, I admire your persistence. It would be hard yeah. to feel like just getting through their classes is a struggle. I mean, I felt that way about science and I just didn't take any after sophomore year. Um, yeah, but exactly. you know, with English and the humanities, you had to take it all the way through. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hope when you got that 100 on your statistics exam, you framed it and sent it to the school. <laughs> I just I look at your career success, I look at your academic success in college and and your graduate program, and it just really makes you realize that very often schools can't capture the ways that that yeah. students are mm -hmm. are really developing and where their potential is so good for you for sticking it out and figuring it and out I, and i thank you and i do think like there are just basics for school that you have to do and so unfortunately part of that's really mm -hmm. hard you know and i think once i got to college and i knew that those reading and writing classes were hard for me i mean i waited and took some of them my junior year and mm -hmm. then intro to psychology was really mm -hmm. easy you know in comparison to i think if i would have taken mm -hmm. it as a freshman mm -hmm. so but also i would say that i just was uh, uh piper my youngest child showed me an assignment she had been working on last night and it was actually to create a mini documentary as opposed to write something. She happens to be a really good writer. That's not her area. She's really struggles in math, but her writing is very good. But I love the fact that she was being asked to communicate her ideas and her experiences in a really different medium. And I think we didn't have that in part because of technology was not as available as it is now. But I also think that schools are becoming, are realizing actually that they have to develop those skills in students too, because in the in the world right now, being a good writer, that's helpful, but you also have to be able to work and communicate in a lot of different ways. And so I wonder how that might've changed things for you a little bit, being able to, you know, write your paper or not write your paper, but express your ideas in a different format. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Anyhow. I mean, yeah. Well, and I think things have just changed so much. Do you know what I mean? Well, let's jump into our lightning round. Carla, okay. how about you kick us off? Okay. All right, Laurel. You say you don't remember, but I know you do. Who was your high school crush? <laughs> well, I was trying to think. Like, I feel like I always had a crush on Bart, who lived in my neighborhood. Right. <laughs> And actually, Amy and I were just discussing this because she was just out here. And we're like, who are our crushes? And I think it was the guys that went to Highland High School because yeah. that's where I lived. And I, we hung out with all of those guys. So I'll say that. Yeah. Well, I was saying to Jessica how much I liked hanging out in your neighborhood because there were so many <laughs> people who didn't go to the academy who lived around you. Yes. And that was really fun. Okay. Second yeah. question. Munch pudding or field birds? Discuss. I would say munch pudding, but I do remember veal birds. I can remember being served those in eighth grade 
and sitting next to Leah Blaugrand and the two of us just looking at them. Um, I don't remember if we ate them or not, but I would say munch pudding, which I always thought was just leftovers that they put together for us. So like, I didn't think it was really a planned recipe as much as, oh, we have all these extra cookies and pudding and let's put them together. At the helm. So <laughs> is what I do remember. Do you remember the rolls? Yes. Yeah, like, why aren't we talking about that? And I'm sure they do not have, like, the good rolls, the munch pudding, all of that stuff now. I forgot mm -hmm. about the rolls. Well, remember when you were a waiter, you had to go in and bring out a certain amount mm -hmm. of things. And I think rolls, you had brought the and water milk. and the milk. Yeah. You never wanted a table with a lot of boys that drank a lot of milk. That was always the worst. If you had to bring like two milks for each guy. <laughs> a heavy tray. Okay. Yeah. So what clothing brand or brand in general or style did you, did you rep in high school? Um, so I would say like we all wore express. So yeah. like all of the big express stuff. And I feel like I had a lot of esprit, too. I mm. feel like that was a big one. There was a lot. And the high-waisted and big stuff. Like, you all have girls. Don't you wish they were wearing the big stuff like we did? Like, just cover yourself a little bit. <laughs> I consider that a bra. Put on your whole outfit. I have one, I have one daughter who's that way. The other one, not so yeah. much. But and there's well, a totally Is it your college one. student? Yeah. She goes to UC yeah. Santa Barbara, and I don't really think people wear clothes down there much anyhow. So No. So Sophia's <laughs> at Oregon, and that's where um, Animal House was actually filmed. And so she sends us this picture saying, look, I'm in the fraternity. That's I forget which one. But she's like, this is what it looks like inside. And it's all I could think of was like, what are you wearing? That looks like a swimsuit. <laughs> like, that's not it. on. When is it going to be winter? <laughs> this is how we know we're old. <sighs> So, yeah. Okay. Uh, what car did you drive in high school and how did it meet its demise? My first car was a 1980 Honda Accord. It was like reddish brown and it didn't die anywhere interesting. It, um, I was just driving home in our neighborhood and a woman ran a yield sign and just hit it and that was it. So then I had the Volkswagen that you probably all remember a little more, mm -hmm. the white Volkswagen. Was it a Volkswagen Rabbit or a Golf? What was it? No, it was remember. like a Quantum. It was oh. like some psycho car because my parents were worried right. after the Honda like just crashed so quickly. They wanted me to have a big car because, you know, I was also going to be taking Eric to school. So now mm -hmm. we needed a safer car. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like an yeah. SUV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And that car lived for a long time, shockingly. Like, I'm surprised, but it did. I know I rode in that car. For some reason, I'm just having a hard time picturing it, but that's okay. It was blue inside. Mm. I can't remember. Was your car red, Carla? Yeah. I know yours was, right, Jessica? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were fast <laughs> like that. We were fast girls. Yeah. Who gives <laughs> driver's license to kids at 15? Uh, like? I don't know. The state of New Mexico. <laughs> Okay, so um, thinking back, what was your high school song or band or a little bit of the soundtrack to your high school years? So I'm so bad with music, um, but I remember um, we listened to like OMD and Erasure and all of that stuff. All right, so um, you talked a little bit about sort of the academic challenges, but what, what teacher at school had the most influence on you or, or impact in a positive way? <laughs> <laughs> I like how you have the positive. I was like, the ones that hated me were. Um, so 
I know everyone had Nancy Spencer and I never had her, but I had Mr. Sandoval for ceramics and I loved Mr. Sandoval. Um, and I think I still, um, it's at my dad's house, but I still have a piece of his pottery that he gave me. Um, so I loved his class. And then, uh, Mr. Musgrave was really helpful yeah. to me my senior year as I was going through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think it was, was it Mr. Alexander, the mm-hmm. science teacher, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember him. Dr. Wong, I survived his class because I was good at math, but I don't think I was good at anything else in there, <laughs> like being on time. <laughs> but I think I think either Peter or Dan Kelleher was in that class with me, and he was always after me, so I was always safe. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what was your favorite place to hang out in high school? Well, we'd hang out just at school in the lockers and out front in the area in Dion's until mm-hmm. I got a few of us in trouble. And so, what? so, you know how the police would come to Dion's when we were all hanging out in the parking lot. And so one time, I think I was in the car with Leanna and Amy and John were in another car and we're like, let's go over to the ATM and we can make a plan. And we went over there and the cops followed us. <laughs> and like, and then I opened my mouth and just blah, 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 and went off. And I think we all got written up and Amy and I, cause our birthdays are later, like you guys, we weren't 18 yet. So we had to go to the juvie home with our parents to have Wait, a meeting. What? And you, I remember, you, like, yelled at the, yeah. oh, wait, and Leanna. the policeman followed you over there in your cars and you were like, yes, yelling at them. Explain this. Well, okay. So he followed us to the ATM and he was like, I told you guys to leave. Oh. You need to leave. And we're like, but we're just going to the ATM. And he's like, no, you're not. And, da, da, da. and we're like, we can't just sit here and talk and get money and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure they were like, you stupid snotty kids all right um wow yeah and so i remember amy and i had to go with our parents to the juvenile home j home whatever well to the juvenile home i guess it was kind of court i don't remember i just remember showing up in this like light pink dress and like penny loafers and my dad looked at me and he's like are you serious like i was dressed like such a like little girl da 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 and Amy's dad, I remember, read the whole report, and it was like, this Laurel girl just doesn't stop talking. So Amy and I got off fine, but I think Leanne and John had to actually go to court because they were 18, and I don't think it went as well. Like, nothing long-term, but oh my it was gosh. not good. So They oh take the no loitering yeah, so. very seriously. They took it to a new level. I know. You weren't even drinking. I mean, you, weren't, you didn't have alcohol or anything, did you? No, that's we were so, so boring. Like, I didn't even know cops stop people for that. I mean, that seems like so 20, 1989, if you ask me. Yeah. That's <laughs> never going to happen well, now. And, and I feel like we weren't always just sitting in the parking lot. I feel like we were in Dion's mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Yeah. But maybe we were in the parking lot a lot, too. Yeah. And that Dion's moved. It's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with you about that. I went recently when I was in Albuquerque. And the pizza does not hold up to my memories of it. It's okay. But the ranch dressing does. The ranch dressing does. Um, Do you have a high school regret? Um, I don't necessarily have a regret. I guess I wish I knew more then that everything was going to be okay. And that really you'll find your place um, versus thinking I was so dumb. I mean, I think it took me a long time not to think that, um, watching everyone like getting into these really smart schools and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so I think just you'll find your way and you'll find what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I think as you talk to different people, everyone gets to that point, you know, now that we're all in our fifties, you know, (laughs) but guess what? We don't all think about exactly how we are performing at every moment in our lives and all these different right. subjects that we may or may not be good at. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, this kind yeah. of relates to that answer. Um, but I'm wondering if there's anything else that if you could go back in time to Laurel in 1989 
and tell yourself then something about the future, what would that be? Um, I don't know. I think maybe not be so timid and not be so afraid of stuff. I think, um, you know, I always, I think part of everything going on in the sense of who I was and being in Albuquerque and that kind of stuff was, um, you know, that I was somewhat different for, to say, and so not expecting the same stuff as everyone else to some degree. It was just kind of a funky time Mm -hmm. there you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. So if you could go back and write or film your high school memoir, <laughs> what would be the title? Just Smile. <laughs> That's it. <sighs> Sounds like you. I think of you as smiling and laughing yeah. and being so easy yeah. going, you know, and it's interesting that, you know, we all have different perspectives of our own experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. but then it's interesting to hear how other people viewed us and, you know, Mm -hmm. we really saw you as just this loyal, positive friend and, you know, maybe, maybe there was a lot, some stuff going on that we weren't aware of, you know? Yeah. Well, I think everyone had. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. I mean, (laughs) I succeeded, um, socially at the academy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, well, which is probably just as good because as we all know, having middle school and high schoolers, mm-hmm. it sucks. Yeah. And there it are plenty really of sucks. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of kids who are doing school academically well and really falling apart socially in this day mm-hmm. and age. And so maybe that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were on to something. Yeah. I mean, maybe you were on to something. High school wasn't really easy for anyone. And I think everyone has the perspective that mm-hmm. everyone had it easy, you know. Yeah, everyone had so. it easier than me. <laughs> yeah, everyone had it easier than me. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was so good to see you. It was good to see you guys, too. Come out to Denver. When Carla comes out, we try to get a good group together. I would love so. to do that. I have two of my stepkids are at Colorado State. So um, so I think I might actually come out in October to go see a rugby game. My stepdaughter plays rugby. So we'll let you know. Jessica and Carla's High School Reunion is written, directed, and edited by Carla Silver and Jessica Slade. Our theme music, True Sight, is by Jared Matt Greenberg. Please subscribe and listen on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.